2: Life is a journey that requires constant navigation through crises and confrontation and chaos. And commitment to God is the only way to find true clarity in the midst of this journey.
1: Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
2: Yesterday, some of our church family gathered here on this campus, and some were out on the streets holding up signs that say something like, need prayer, or we want to pray with you. And so I had the privilege just to pray with a couple of people yesterday, people that are walking through crises. One had just lost a friend to overdose in their life. Another had just lost their grandmother a few days earlier. And yet they saw this sign and they recognized they needed somebody to help hold up their hands. See, prayer is a way we do that. Just before this service, I met with some men and we prayed about this time. We prayed that someone would begin a relationship with you. We prayed that my words would be honoring to God, that he would speak through this time together and and all that time, they were just lifting up my hands. Whose hands are you holding up? What are you doing to help win the battle? We can't navigate life's crises and confrontations alone. But Moses is still learning that battle. And we discover this as we get to chapter 18. 18. So we look at chapter 18, and apparently somewhere along the way, Moses had decided that all that the children of Israel was going through were too much for his wife and children. So he took his wife, Zipporah, and he let her stay at her dad's house, his father-in-law's house, Jethro. And so what's happening in chapter 18 is Jethro comes back to this point of the journey and brings Zipporah, Moses' wife, and his two sons to him. Yeah, Moses had two sons at this point. Gershom, which means sojourner. Isn't that interesting? Moses named one of his sons Pilgrim or Sojourner. And that's what Moses was. He was a pilgrim. He he couldn't go back home to Egypt. He was on a journey. All his life would be a journey. His second son, he named Eliezer. You know what that means? God is my helper. God is my deliverer. Again, Moses was telling his story, and he's telling our story in the names of his son. We're pilgrims on a journey, right? This earth is not our home. It's our temporary home, but we'll not be home until we spend forever in God with with God in heaven. He's placed eternity in our hearts. That freedom is what we long for. So he's telling his story. He's telling our story. He's on his journey, but he's not home. And so Jethro brings them to see him. And look at what happens in verse 8. Moses told his father-in-law, that's Jethro, not Clampet. This is the father-in-law of Moses. <laughs> all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that had come upon him, so the crises, the confrontations, and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel in that he delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. You know what we learn right here? It's a good thing to celebrate with others. A lot of Christians I see are not very good at that. We'll get sad when others are sad, but if the Lord blesses somebody else, we get mad. Well, why didn't I get what they got? Why don't I have what they have? Rather than celebrating with joy. So he literally, in the Hebrew, it's a word which means he expressed joy. I want you to think about something, and here's a practical assignment. Who in your life right now is God blessing that would benefit from you expressing joy on behalf of their blessing? Who is God doing something good for that it would bless if they heard you say, Man, that is awesome. And so Jethro said, blessed be the Lord. And this is interesting because it's not the common name for God. It's the covenant name for God. So we're about to see something in Jethro's life. Blessed be the Lord who's delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of the Pharaoh, has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering sacrifices to the Lord and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses father-in-law before God Now most theologians believe this is a significant passage because in this passage we see Jethro make a transition This is a God moment Jethro was a Midianite Remember when when Moses left Egypt he went into the desert the wilderness of Midian He was a Midianite priest which means he had lots of gods with little Gs, just like the Egyptians. But in, this mo- <laughs> but in this moment, he doesn't use the term that would describe little gods. He uses the covenant name, and he says, I get it. Moses, after I hear you talk about your deliverer, this is good. After I hear you talk about your deliverer, I declare he's a deliverer. So he begins to worship the Lord. You see what's taking place? This is Jethro's story. But Jethro's story came about as Moses was sharing his story. Did you know that's the way God still works? Man, I'm so grateful that you show up and some of you are watching or perhaps listening even on the radio to what God is doing in the life of our church and through his word. But I want you to understand most people around the world won't begin a relationship with God through Jesus Christ because of hearing a preacher. Most people will begin that relationship with God because they've heard your story of deliverance and they say, if God can deliver you, then oh boy, I want God to deliver me. And if, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got a story. If you don't have a story... You're not a follower of Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to ask you. Who are you telling your story to? Somebody in your little corner of the world needs to hear your story. They're waiting to hear your story so that they can begin a relationship with God. And I want to teach you today a simple way to tell your story. There are a lot of ways you can talk about this, but let me just tell you a simple way. First, you talk about my life before Christ. Because all of us have a life before Christ. Whether you became a Christ follower as a child, as a teenager, as an adult, as a senior adult, you've got a story of your life before Christ. And, and maybe it's like this, before Christ my life was filled with addiction, before Christ my life was filled with fear, before life, my Christ, was, Christ my life was filled with guilt, I don't know. But what was my life like before Christ? And if, if you're taking notes right now, just jot that down. What is one or two words that describes your life before Christ? And then what happened? You met Jesus. So it happens just like it did with Jethro, it happens in a moment at time. You weren't always a Christian. Just know if I talk to somebody about their relationship with God and they say, I've always been a Christian, if I have permission to speak freely, I tell them quickly, No, you have not. That's not the way it works. You may have been like me and you grew up in church. You've always been around the things of God, but you're not always a Christian. It happens at a moment in time when you meet my Jesus. So the second part of your story is just tell about when that happened. For me, it was as a child. I remember having heard the truth of the gospel. I was a sinner in need of a Savior. God was the Savior in Jesus that delivered me from my sins. That's why Jesus died on the cross to give me that forgiveness. He rose from the dead to give me life. And so as a child, I knelt in my backyard and I prayed, and asked Jesus to come into my life and to take control. At that moment in time, I met Jesus. How about you? So, If you're taking notes right now, I would just jot something down, re- remembering that moment in time. Maybe you don't remember the exact date. I don't. Some of you do. But just remember that. Think about when he saved you. That's part of the problem for some of us. We've forgotten that wow moment. And then I'm just going to tell about what happened since I met Jesus. So since I met Jesus, maybe I've got freedom from addiction. I've got freedom from fear. I've got freedom from guilt. Whatever it was before Jesus, that doesn't mean everything's perfect. But since I met Jesus, I've found joy. Since I've met Jesus, I've known what grace is like. Tell your story. There's nothing like your story. Nobody else has your story. So when you don't use your story for his glory, you're robbing him of his glory. That's important. Remember our truth? Life is a journey. It requires constant navigation through the crises, the confrontation, and the chaos. And that commitment to God is the only way that finds two true clarity in the journey. So when you have that moment in your story where you commit like Jethro did, then you open the door to clarity. You've got the pathway to wisdom. Then you begin to know this is the way to go. But it begins with commitment. Well, that commitment was the fourth of five words we've said. Crises, confrontation, commitment is the third of Chaos is the fourth. Jethro's learned about the crises and the confrontation. Now he's seeing the chaos. Look at verse 13. The next day, so right after this commitment, Moses sat to judge the people. The people stood around Moses from morning till evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Now, we don't know exactly, but there's anywhere from 700,000 to a couple of million people and Moses is the leader. Now, I'm blessed to serve as a pastor of a a church that, truthfully, on our rolls, we have about 4,000 people. Now, the FBI and the CIA combined couldn't find about half of those, but we have people on our rolls. We have three different campuses, and I get weary. I get tired, but that's nothing. (laughs) That's a drop in the bucket to what Moses was encountering. Can you imagine what that was like? Moses... Uh, so-and-so stole my goat. Hey, Moses, my wife and I were were trying to have an intimate moment in our tent, and our next-door neighbor was snoring way too loud. I mean, silly stuff, crazy stuff, and serious stuff. And Moses is handling it all along. Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me. They inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good. See, if you have people in your life that are holding up your hands, that are willing to come around you and speak the truth, occasionally they're going to look you in the eyeballs and they're going to say, what you're doing is not good. It's going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. You and the people with you certainly will wear yourself out for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I'll give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. So he's going to get along with God. You shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. He's going to help them understand the principles of God. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, hundreds, and fifties, and tens. So he's going to develop other leaders to come along and help them. Let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide for themselves so it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you hey can i just give you a bonus because this is important he's telling moses something we need to learn manage your life by what's important not by what's urgent A lot of us get caught up in the tyranny of the urgent. Some of you are thinking, I never get anything done because I'm just wandering around putting out fires. That's called the tyranny of the urgent. And you can do that, and it will wear you out. You can do that in church. You can do that in your spiritual journey, and it will wear you out. And Jethro was saying to Moses, hey, don't manage your life by the urgent. Manage your life by the important. There are principles, there are tools that can guide you. Manage your life by that. If you do this, God will direct you and you'll be able to endure and all this people also will go this place in peace. Jethro is telling him there's a twofold benefit, your health and the people's harmony. When you do this, it will make your life better and it will make the people's lives better. So here's the question. Is Moses going to (laughs) listen? And that's where you come every week and, in fact, every day when you open God's Word. Am I going to listen? Or am I just checking off a box? Am I just going through the motions? You came to church. You turned on the Internet. Good job. But are you going to listen? Are you going to respond and adjust your life with the clarity that God's given? Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you We continue with our message. See, the children of Israel had experienced crises. They had battled with confrontation. But then this man named Jethro has a commitment to God. And all of a sudden, he looks at chaos and he sees clarity. This story has a good ending. Look at the next verse. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law, and he did all that he had said. I want to be a good listener. Proverbs 3, 7 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Romans chapter 12, verse 16 says, do not be wise in your own opinions. Listen to the wisdom of others. And so in this moment, God gives us the foundation for civil government. Did you catch that? There are three things that God founds in Scripture. He founded the family. We see that at the beginning of Genesis. He founds the church. We see that in the book of Acts. And here he gives us the foundation of civil government. It's a reminder that God's not a God of chaos, that we just can't throw all the bums out. That's part of God's plan. It doesn't always work according to his plan, but he puts the government in place. But I want you to see real quickly just what Jethro's plan specifically because there's some practical things we can do. First, he said to Moses, get along with God. So go to God on behalf of the people. You'll never advance as God wants you to advance through the crises, through the confrontations and the chaos of life if you don't get along with God. Secondly, he said, obey God's principles. Obey God's principles. There are some things God teaches us. There are some things God tells us to do. As we learned last week, you don't have to pray about those things. You just have to do those things. Be obedient. Do what God tells you to do, and then develop other people. Develop other people. Look around your little corner of the world and And recognize you're not expected to do this alone. You're supposed to be bringing other people along the way. Now, look at the first letter of those three things. And what do you see? You see God because this is God's way that you get along with him, that you obey his principles, and that you develop other people. And Moses listened to the plan. He persevered. And guess what? He found peace. He was always growing even as he was going. Moses didn't stop going forward, and he didn't stop growing as he went forward. Why is this? It's because God brings clarity out of our crises, out of our confrontation, and out of our chaos. So think about society today. Can we relate to crises? Yep, worldwide pandemic. Is there confrontation taking place? Well, uh, aside from the wars and the rumors of wars around the world, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, right here in our country. Racial divides, cultural divides, conflict and confrontation. And what's the result? Chaos. And yet God has given a prescription to those of us who are committed to him that brings clarity in the midst of chaos. You see, crisis and confrontation and chaos, they're all temporary. But clarity can be permanent. God's ways are not temporary. So when we get along with him, when we obey his commands, when we are developing and discipling people around us, it changes our world. It makes life easier for us and it brings peace around us. Why? Because God's clarity was not temporary. These moments were temporary. These specific crises and confrontations That specific chaos, it was temporary, but God's clarity was permanent. Let me give you another example of that. Acts chapter 6. The church is formed. Jesus has ascended to heaven. The church begins to meet, and there's conflict. Look at verse 1. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So you've got the 12 apostles, they've replaced Judas by this time, they're trying to manage the church that's growing, but a conflict arises. There's a crisis, there's chaos in the church. Why? Because two groups of people were divided. One didn't like the way the other was being served. So what happened? In that moment, the apostles selected deacons. Acts chapter 6 is where we find the first deacons of the church. Deacon, a word which just means servant. So God inspired them. He gave them clarity to select deacons to serve the church. Guess what? 2,000 years later, we still have deacons. And yet I've never had Greek widows complaining against Hebrew widows. That crisis, that confrontation, that chaos was temporary, but God's clarity was permanent. And we see that again. We see that in Acts 13. We see that in Acts 15. That's the way God works. We may walk through a crisis that is temporary, but he gives us clarity that is permanent. Because here's the deal. We go through life, and as we go through life, it's a battle. Man, the journey is sometimes hard. Remember, we've said we're all either walking into the battle. We're in the midst of the battle or we just come out of the battle. And sometimes in the battle, we grow weary and we start to worry and we want to quit because we face crises and we face confrontations and conflict and the world around us begins to look chaotic and and we think, I can't do this anymore. We don't feel like we have the strength to live for Christ and to walk with God and to make a difference for His glory and we're trying. We're hoping up our arms but we see the battle around us and it's it's causing us to get tired it's causing us to be weary and and we think we can't do it anymore we don't have the power we don't have the strength our arms are weary what do we do and yet god's word says that he has laid on him jesus the sins of us all and when jesus was lifted up on that cross He takes all our cares, all our burdens, in addition to all our sins. And he promises us something. See, when his arms were spread out, they were were strong enough to carry us. And when we grow weary, when our arms grow tired, just as your arms are starting to grow tired right now, I want you to know that the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is enough for you. The Bible says that the same power that Jesus used to conquer the grave, the same power that he used to be raised from the dead, that's available to you. And when you trust in the name of Jesus Christ, he takes your weariness when you come to him, and he promises to give you rest. So trust in the Lord.